Good morning, Forest Heights Baptist Church. I'd like to welcome everyone to our morning worship service. We're going to begin this morning by standing and singing, O Worship the King. Father, we want to thank you once again for this opportunity to be in your house to worship you. And we just pray that as we come together, that, Lord, our minds and our hearts will be seeking you out, that we will be led by your spirit to understand and to see what you would have us to 
learn and to apply to our lives. And I pray that it will help us to be uh, stronger Christians, uh, more mature uh, in our walk with you, and, and may it uh, challenge us to, uh, to reach out in, in ways that we've uh, never reached out before to the lost and dying world and to let them know that we have a Savior and that Savior is available to them, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And so thank you. Uh, may we lift you up for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives, in our midst, and we just pray that you'll just continue to be glorified throughout this service. In Jesus' name, amen. conclude our praise service this morning let's all stand as we sing more precious than silver Wow, sorry. Um, 
You know, I've been wanting to do this song, and I kept waiting to find a time when Tanya could learn to play it so I could sing it with the piano. As you can see, that did not happen. Um, but this is a next, this is a new song that we want to teach you guys. And I told Tank, he wanted me to just introduce it tonight. And I said, why don't I do it for special music? Because <clears throat> it's one of my favorite songs. I sing the chorus around the house all the time. I know I probably drive everybody crazy because... It just is one of those that once you hear it, you'll understand. And I sing the chorus through twice at the end, so because that's just how they did the music. Um, if you all pick up on it and you want to join in, help yourself, because it's, it's hard to resist. Okay. Sorry. It's a very short intro, and sometimes I just don't get it. One love could remember no wrongs I have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. The wind to the sea without bottom or shore. I said, wow. Sorry, guys, I don't do this very often. I went through it three times this morning and I do apologize this is anyway let's go back one more time and if I miss it this time we'll just do something else one love could remember no wrongs we have done omniscient all-knowing he counts not their sum thrown into the sea without bottom or shore our sins they are many his mercy is more would wait as we constantly roam what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weak as the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more
I will say I am very thankful for his mercy this morning because I certainly needed it and thank you all. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought she did real well. Amen. I know that uh I couldn't have done it by far. Even if I knew music, I couldn't have. I can see where the piano would be probably better, and, and that's, that's true. And so uh, when you're listening to that, it's kind of hard to know coming in and out. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought you did good, Susan. I, beautiful voice, too, and I, I love to hear her sing. Okay, I want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to be looking at the uh, verses uh, that we that follow the ones we looked at last week. That's verses 23 through 32. Now, before I get into the uh, the message, let me uh, mention something once again. You know, a mentally healthy family. I know there's a lot of dysfunctional families, but a mentally healthy family loves its members and they desire to care for their health spiritually healthy family uh, loves and cares for the wholeness of the family no different right and so that's what we do here that's what we've been trying to do and and you just continue to pray for us uh, uh, our desire is that we uh, uh, consider the family and and the members and and that we try to walk circumspectly and make the right decisions and uh, very uh, carefully and, and wisely. And that's what we're trying to do. And I know that you know that. And so uh, we're all adults, and uh, that, or most of us are. And if they're not, then you've got adults that are with the children. And so uh, we, as adults, want uh, to make walk circumspectly, as the Bible tells us, wisely. Uh, and that means walking uh, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so we just ask you to continue to do that. We thank that you're doing it here. And, and if you uh, don't feel like coming to church, uh, if you feel like uh, it's a risk, if you feel like you, know, you might catch something, or if you uh, have uh, pre-existing uh, conditions, well, then we just advise you to make that decision on your own make a wise decision uh, wearing a mask not wearing a mask uh, we encourage you to wear a mask but if you don't feel like it you don't feel like you need to then that's fine um, any fever coughing um, uh, achiness uh, any of that that you might feel I know that you'll want to stay home because you, you you've got other people that are involved in it and so uh, we and then on top of that if we have any sickness what do we do we pray for those don't we? and encourage those I mean we're out and about it every day this thing that pandemic or whatever you want to call it uh, uh, you know you hear some doctor saying this year some doctor saying that I, I tell you what I I'm really uh, 
with some of it, I'm just confused. But we will try to take the steps to be precautious. And, uh, or cautious, not precautious, cautious. And we, we, want, we care about you, and we love you. And so I know that each one does with the other members in the family. So I just wanted that to go out over the air as well as to the members here. We love you and we care for you. That's what we want. And we want a wholeness, not just physical but spiritual wholeness. I like what John MacArthur has said concerning his church out in California and in meeting again that they need the, the gospel. They need the word. And a lot of them are going around and being faced with a fear and the word of God helps take away that fear and comfort that fear. And so we, uh, uh, we need to hear the word of God, and, and, uh, but we want to do it in a safe way, safe manner. Okay, with that being said, Matthew 21, 23 through 32. It says, And when he had come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Look at those two questions. By what authority and who gave you this authority? I think that's the theme right here. That's the key. Questioning his authority. As they so often did. But it comes right out. I mean, they have reached the point where they don't know what else to do. And here is a gathering of people following him. And, you know, they're, they're shouting out. They've been shouting out in the temple and, and in the streets, Hosanna, you know, the Messiah, the Son of David is here. And so this has really perturbed these spiritual leaders. And Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, too, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, I'll go ahead and say, he wasn't trying to evade their question. There wasn't any evasion there. As a matter of fact, uh, by asking a question, that was common among rabbis at that time. And so uh, they began, uh, he said uh, to them, uh, let me ask you this question. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? Wow. Well, we'll look at that in just a moment. Wasn't that a question to ask? To put them on the defense. And they began reasoning among themselves saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? And if we say from men, we fear the multitude, For they all hold John to be a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, We, <laughs> we don't know. He also said to them, okay, I'm going to give you another chance. You know, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things, but let me tell you this parable. Here's a little application. Here's a little illustration. By what do you think? Man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go to uh, work today in the vineyard. And he answered and said, I will, sir, and he did not go. He came to the second and said to the same, or, or said the same thing. And he answered and said, I will not. Yet he afterward regretted it and went. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Now that's illustrating it, giving it simple out there uh, to them, simply putting it. They said the latter. He said, bingo, uh, you won, you know, you got it right, good. But he said, truly I say to you that the tax gatherers and the harlots, and this is where he gets to the meaning, and he really lets them know, will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and harlots believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to this passage, open our eyes to what we need to hear. I know it's talking about you and your authority, Jesus and his authority. God, help us to understand this. 
and help us to take it and may the Holy Spirit apply it to our lives in whatever area it might be. Lead us and guide us so that we might respond in a positive way so that we won't be like the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but we will be like the tax gatherers and the harlots in the sense that we will respond in a repenting way, in a way that's turning to you to glorify you and to open our hearts up for whatever you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we have a big election, as some people are saying, that's coming upon us. And they say, I mean big. This is a big election. Now, don't get turned off because I'm talking politics here. I'm using it as an illustration, okay? It's not just the president here, they say. It's not just the vice president, but what? There's many representatives. There's many senators that are up for, or their seats are up for grab. And for the most part, there is a clear distinction between each party and what they represent. Correct? Okay. Now, it doesn't seem like it's that clear a distinction for some. For some will vote just because of the party name. That's on both sides. Some will vote because they don't like the demeanor, the personality, or whatever about a certain party, person. Instead, they will vote against that person because of their feelings and not because of facts. It seems like as clear a shot as it is that people would see that today. I mean, of all people, we should see it. But you know, we just don't get it, some of us. Guess what? Here were the religious people, and Matthew helps us understand this very same principle with Jesus. There are those who got it and those that didn't get it. It was clear, people. With the case of Jesus, Matthew lets us know that those who see are those who most likely should not see. And those who don't see are those who were prepared most to see. Jesus enters Jerusalem. And of course, those who have been going before him and, and after him prepared the way with palm limbs. And he rides in on a donkey. And many are crying out, Hosanna, son of David. And Jesus enters the city, and what does he do? He goes to the temple, and he cleanses the temple, for it is being abused. And he heals the lame and the blind who come to him. And the scribes and the Pharisees saw what was going on. They have been seeing what was going on in his life. They saw what he did and they heard what he taught. And with all of this building up the climax to his crucifixion, which was soon to occur, they became indignant. I mean, they became angry. And this is why they asked the question, whose authority, by whose authority do you do this? By what authority do you do it? And here are the ones who should have known above everyone else what was happening and who Jesus was. But they didn't. They did not see what the children saw. 
They did not see what the adults who were crying out Hosanna saw. They would not see what was before them. And Jesus here rebukes them, the very religious leaders that should have known. Matthew has Jesus earlier rebuking the fig tree for not being fruitful. And that was an appearance, that was an illustration, that was to let us know that it appeared one way on the outside, but it was another way on the inside. And that was a picture of the nation Israel. They were carrying out their religious activity without having a change of heart. People are so very easy to get into that mode, to get into that part as far as living that way, to apply it to our own church situations and our own life. It's so easy to get into that that we get so busy trying to bring people in sometimes that we, and, and being a part of what is here, that we forget what has changed us on the inside, if it has changed us at all. Empty profession leads to divine judgment. That's what Jesus was letting them know. And that's what they had. And unfortunately, we have that also in our churches today. So let's look at the challenge here. And when he, he had come into the temple, the chief priests and the scribes, or the elders of the people, came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now in Matthew 21, 23, the chief priests and the elders of the people, they challenge, they are challenging Jesus and his authority here. Here we have the religious leaders challenging Christ with whom is, or who is teaching. They interrupted his teaching, asking him, by what authority and by who gave you this authority? And so these are the chief priests and the elders of the people. And both groups belong to the Sanhedrin. In other words, they make up the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches of the Jew, uh, Jewish government. Now, we all know what it means to have authority, don't we? Having authority should help us to have a safer place. God created offices and lines of authority for a reason so that places would be safer they would be less chaotic and more pleasant to live in authority involves many times a country with laws and we're aware that the laws of the land should be upheld and obeyed in most cases because those laws are there and have been uh, brought about for the most part to protect those people that are in there, that are part of that country. And if disobedience ever occurs, it should only be when the law of the land is in opposition to a higher law, and that law is God, the law of God. So when we disobey the laws of land, that do not conflict with the, the laws of God. And let's just say, for instance, there's a blue light coming upon us. What are we to do as it gets behind us? And there's a noise that whirls around. And that noise is a siren. We should what? Pull over. Simple as that. When they get out with their uniforms on, which gives them this authority, you recognize that by that in their badge, then when we're asked for our license and our registration, then what do we do or what should we do? We should comply with it. We should give it to them. Why? Because they have authority to do this. Now, if it goes further, and you've seen this on the side of the road, 
if they ask you to get out of the car and maybe um, they have reason to do this and they ask you to take a sobriety test and and they ask you to walk the line and and this type thing then what do we do well whether you have been drinking or not you do it because they are the law and if they think that they have reason to take you to jail because you start walking the line like that and you need for safety of other people as well as them to be put into their vehicle and taken to the jail then what in the world should we do? We should comply to it, shouldn't we? Submit to that authority, the one who is wearing that badge. But that's not only the only area of authority that God has helped us with our country and with our lives. There is the authority of teachers. You go into their office, at the school, and what do you see most of the time? You see these, uh, you know, frame uh, diplomas, and they have a, a bachelor's, master's, and some of them have a Ph.D., and what does that tell you? Well, you look at it, and you say, well, I guess they have authority to teach. And so they give you, as you're sitting in their class, a syllabus at the first of the year. Well, you take that syllabus, you read it, you may not like everything on there. It tells you to read this. It tells you to read that. It tells you to do this. It tells you to, how many books you should read, how many papers you should write, and how many tests that you'll have. And you may not like it. You may not enjoy it. My goodness, how many I did not enjoy. But you take it and you do the best you can. And if you make good grades then you praise God. If you don't make good grades, you say, oh me, Lord, help me. And you pray, and you may even go to a teacher that has the authority to give you an F, and you say, can you find any grace in there and mercy to give me not what I deserve, but to give me a chance? And then they say, well, if you'll do these papers, read these books, before the class is up, then you'll have an opportunity to bring your grade up. And you fall down on your knees and you kiss their hand and you say thank you. you know. We have parents in homes that are over their family. Now, I'm not talking about these that are abusive to their kids. I, we're, we're not talking about abusiveness uh, in any of these lines of authority. Sometimes there are the uh, evil ones, but they, uh, you know, the good outweigh the evil in all of this. And parents who are to teach the children and discipline the children and nurture the children in how they should grow up, we are to obey them. Now, we think that we know everything as children sometimes growing up, and especially when we get to be teenagers. Man, you're just going to go through these different stages. And so you know everything. You're going to test the parents, but you should obey them. You should realize that their word is the final word. And I knew that. Every time that I disagreed with them and rebelled against them, the seat of my pants felt that their word was the final word. So, bosses at work and employees, man, they may be obnoxious, and a lot of them are. You know, you wonder, how in the world did I get in that position? How in the world did they get there? They can't, you know, they can't run anything. Well, that may be true, and it may be falling apart, but God has us there for a reason at that point, and we're to respect that authority. Obey as unto the Lord. Now, it, like I said, we're not talking about abuses and, and all of that, abuse, uh, abusing you or, or taking advantage of you in, in un, ungodly ways. And the civil, civil government, it's the same thing. We're to respect them and obey the laws. So... What we have here in this passage, 
we have Jesus entering the temple and they're questioning, the religious people are questioning him on his authority. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? These things probably refer to the authority he cleansed the temple, the authority to heal the lame and the blind, the authority to accept the hosannas from the people and the children, and the authority to teach the things that he was teaching. And they asked Jesus, what authority are you doing these by? Who gave you this authority? Show me your credentials, in other words. You had not come to us for a right to teach this way or to do these things. It is not necessarily the wrong question that they're asking, but it is the, it is asked wrongly, if you will. Those asking questions are doing so to put Jesus on the defense. And they should have known by now that you don't do that. They never did that. So they are basically saying, whose authority do you do these things by? And who do you think you are to do them? So Matthew is letting us know that those who were best equipped to know this, to know who he was and by what authority he was doing these things, those should have known who he was and why he was doing it. But they did not. These religious, religious leaders had the scripture. They had the knowledge concerning the Messiah, they even anticipated his coming. And here Jesus, the son of David, was before them, and they didn't even recognize him. They refused to. They should have known. They should have known not only the source by which he was performing these miracles and teaching, but who he was, that he was from God. They didn't recognize him, his mission, his person, his work, his authority. Now, you know, who can, they, they should have asked themselves, who can forgive sins? Only God can do that. They knew that. Even Jesus declared that. You remember when he was, uh, when he had healed a, a man physically and he forgave his sins. They questioned him on that. Who gives you the right to forgive sins? He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and walk. In other words, do you, do you know who forgives sins? Do you know who has the power to forgive sins? Do you know who can forgive? Only God. Which is easier? We've had prophets who have been given gifts to to heal people, but who can forgive sins? Only God. And also, in Matthew 21, just prior to the questioning of Jesus, this event here, we have Jesus rebuking the, the fig tree. And uh, that lets us know, and it should have let them know that he wasn't a fellow creature doing this, rebuking a fig tree. He was a creator. No one can do these things except from God. And that exactly is telling them who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. And, and Jesus doesn't make it a practice. He never does to answer people when asked questions like this. He doesn't answer them on their own terms. And I like that. He does not answer Pilate on his own terms. He does not answer... Uh, the Pharisees on their own terms, nor does he answer here the Sanhedrin on their own terms. Jesus instead throws a question upon them. And these religious leaders assume they have the authority to authorize what he says and what he does. But they don't. So Jesus says, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you these authorities? He responds. He responds with a question, as he so often does. And as I said, that, that's not a big uh, 
thing among the rabbis. They did it, but there was a big thing, a difference between him and the rabbis. Some rabbis did it because they did not know the answer. And they were evading the answer. But others did it, but you know, just to get the people to think. But Jesus did it because he had all wisdom and he knew what he was doing and he wasn't trying to evade the question. I will ask you one thing too, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Do you remember when Jesus used the same method while in the temple before this event? A man with a withered hand was brought to him and the religious people asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus heals a man, turns to them and says, you tell me, was it right to heal this man? <laughs> you know, what could they say? What could they do? Could they undo the miracle? No. And he asked the Pharisees, uh, what man who has an ox and it falls into a ditch would not get it out? Or what about the time when uh, they asked or they confronted Jesus about casting a demon out of a man? And the religious leaders say, oh, we saw that. He did it by the power of Beelzebub. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't try to deny the miracle. But he rebukes their claim that he did it by Satan's power. And, and what did he ask them? He asked them, by whose name do your sons cast out demons? Well, Jesus continues in verse 25 of Matthew uh, chapter 21. The baptism of John was from what source? Heaven or from men? Now, boy, they're put between a rock and a hard place. You've heard that predicament before, haven't you? That phrase. This is an awkward predicament they're put in. But they brought it upon themselves. They attacked Jesus. Jesus wasn't attacking them. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men, he said. Why? But why did it put them in this awkward position? Because whatever answer they might give would put them in a situation of defeat. And it would make them look and show them for their true character. They began reasoning among themselves, it says, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for they hold John to be a prophet. See, John didn't do things by the book either, John the Baptist. He didn't go to the chief priest, uh, the elders, and, and ask uh, for a petition or, or pay, uh, asking, uh, giving a petition, asking for a right to uh, ordain him and go out and preach. Preach what they wanted him to preach. No, he didn't, he didn't ask for a permission to preach his message. His message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he didn't ask him if he could either uh, also either testify about Jesus being the son of God, the lamb who takes away the sins of the people. He said, will that put you in an odd place? No, he didn't do it. What he did was he obeyed God. Uh, John's authority came from God. And he did not need the authority of the temple officials. He followed through with his ministry according to the authority of God, baptizing people for the repentance of sin, their repentance of sin. John had a very large following. Why? Because John's message of repentance was a necessary preparation for the Messiah's ministry, the ministry of Jesus. So if the religious leaders say, God sent John to prepare the way for the Messiah, that represented a problem, a big problem for him. Why? Because they had, number one, they had personally minimized John's um, and, uh, message and ministry. And they themselves rejected John's message and authority. They wouldn't humble themselves by repenting of their sins. They wouldn't tell, let other people know that they were human and, and that they committed sins. If they admit that John's message in ministry was from heaven, then they would uh, 
be revealing the true character uh, you know, of themselves because they had rejected his ministry and, and that would let the people know that they had rejected God and his prophet and the prophecy of the Messiah. And if they saw John's, uh, John's message uh, and, and they presented it as coming from himself or from people that he was merely operating uh, in his own authority, then they're facing another problem because John's message had resonated with so many people. Many were convicted and they, were, they repented and they were baptized. And so the religious leaders on, were on the divide. They refused John and his message and greater yet, they were also on the divide of refusing Christ and his authority from God. So the religious leaders had put themselves between this rock and a hard place and they say, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? If we say from men, we fear the multitude for they all hold John to be a prophet. So Jesus had the upper hand. What did they say? We don't know. So Jesus replies, neither will I tell you by what authority do I do these things. You remember in the gospel of John chapter 9, there was a man who was healed. You remember him, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees began to in interrogate his family concerning the son's healing. Who did this? By what authority did they have? And then they brought in the healed man and they began to interrogate him. And they said, by what authority did Jesus heal you? You remember what the man said? Boy, you're talking about wisdom given from God to him. He said, you're the experts of the law. You're the people who are supposed to know. Why are you asking me? They should have known. When religious leaders said, we do not know, they basically forfeited their authority. Let's just put it in everyday terms. If you go to the doctor and you're, you're, you know, you're feeling bad, you're, you're having these symptoms and all this, and so you go in and they take all these tests. Maybe it's heart problems. They run all these x-rays. They put you on you know, the uh, treadmill. They, they do all these tests. Blood work, everything. Then in a little bit you see the doctor come in with the white coat on and all, and, and uh, he uh, looks over your chart and everything, and they say, okay, doc, what's wrong with me? And he looks at the chart again, and he says, hmm, you know, I don't know. What do you think? How would you feel about him? For me, he would have lost his credibility there, Right? He would have forfeited his authority as far as I was concerned. I'd say, okay, doc, see you later, man. Give me the uh, send me the results of it and send it to another doctor. So this is the way these were. They forfeited their authority. And the religious leaders should have understood of all people, but they didn't. So he gets to the application. We'll just zoom through it real quick. I see that. Time is nearing. Okay. Jesus goes into a parable. Now this parable is short, but it is very important. You look very powerful. But what do you think? Man had two sons, came to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. Well, that was normal. I need help. Go. He said, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Came to the second. He said to the same, he said the same thing. Son said, I'm not going to go. But yet afterwards he began, he be, it became convicted, he regretted it, and he went. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Well, of course. That's an easy question, isn't it? Right there. They said the latter. Jesus said, truly I say to you, you answered right. But let me give you a little uh, explanation of this. Truly I say to you that the tax gatherers and the harlots will get into the kingdom before of God before you. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to get into the kingdom. 
okay, they'll get in first, then you'll come. No. What he's saying is, you know, it's just like a business. They've got two products. They say, we'll pick that one before that one. That doesn't mean that they're going to pick the next one, does it? They're saying we're picking it over that one or instead of that one. And that's what he's saying here. And so he said, uh, Jesus asked, you know, which one did the will of the Father? They got it right. So it wasn't hard to give them this correct answer. But he wanted them to understand what he was telling them. And he said, truly, truly, tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you instead of you. The reason being is that there is a need for repentance and you don't see any need for repentance. The tax gatherers and prostitutes, they came to John and they saw their sin as a message was preached and they repented. Metanoia. What does that mean? Turning from their sin and turning to God. It wasn't feeling sorry for your sin. That may be involved in it, but that it goes deeper than that. It means that you turn from your sin and you turn to God. You turn from that sin and its lifestyle to God. Now I want to tell you people, it's simple. If this is what repentance means, if you see someone who is refusing to say that a certain lifestyle that they are living in is sin and there's never a change, never a repenting, never turning from and turning towards God and leaving that, then have they really repented? Tell me. No. There's got to be a turning from and a turning towards. Now, does that mean that somebody might slip or sin along the way? No. It means, though, that they know that that's a sin and that there will be discipline. Now, some people, because of their lifestyle, they become sick. They develop sickness or something along that line. They may lose a lot of things, and they regret that, but they don't feel sorry for committing this sin against God Almighty and turning from that and turning towards God. And it also involves obedience. Jesus goes on and explains to them, Truly I say to you that tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. And Jesus says in verse 32, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax gatherers and harlots did believe him. And you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. I want to share with you. People, they harden their hearts over and over again and refuse Jesus. Now I want to tell you, there's people out there that are seeing lives that are changed the same way as John preached to them, and these lives got changed. They saw these miracles, and they still refused to accept it. People, there are people out there in our world that are hardening their hearts so, and we need to pray that whatever it takes, that God will break it before it's too late, because they are hardening their hearts every time they see lives change. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm saying lives change people with a message of truth, and they still refuse to accept those miracles that are happening to us. It's a sad situation. Jesus says, you ask me for my authority, what I do, authority I do it by, who gave me this authority? What authority do you have to ask me? You're seeing all these signs. And you're refusing. And I'm not playing your game. And that's the sad thing about it is because I've got some people that we're talking to right now, Debbie and I. If hearts don't and eyes of the hearts don't see and turn, 
I can't make them, nor can somebody else. Only God can. And that's the sad thing about it. Not that only God can, but the sad thing about it is they won't hear us. The sad thing about it is they won't listen to us and listen to the voice of God that's coming from our hearts and our mouth. And they continually refuse the truth. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I I just want to thank you for your loving grace. And as Susan sang earlier, your mercy, God... You, you don't give us what we really deserve, and that is eternal damnation. I mean, we deserve it because we have been at odds with you. We have rebelled against you. We have refused you, but you keep on reaching deep into our hearts. And what's so sad is if we refuse, then we continue to harden our hearts. And it's not us making it I mean, you making it harder for us to receive, it's us making it harder for us to receive the truth. When we do that, we're just hardening our hearts to the truth. And there's so many out there that have done this for so long. God, we just pray that there's a big breaking, whatever it takes. There's a big big movement by the Holy Spirit to the point where he works through the churches and the people where God's people are are reaching out and and other lives begin to crumble and and their hearts begin to break and and they see our concern and our pleading and, and they accept you as their personal Lord and Savior before it's too late. God, there's people, so many people out there that are doing their own thing and going their own way and making up their own religion and living as though It's okay, but it's just a short span. Lord, may they see the light before it's too late. Help us to be used by you to be that, allow that light of yours to shine through us, to help not only them see their sin, but to, for the Holy Spirit to work through us to convict them and and for their hearts to crumble and they repent and turn to you because of what you've done and who you are. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. God's speaking to you in some special way. Won't you come? Any announcements before we leave? Anything that needs to be said? No? No? Okay. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, no no announcements. Good to see uh, Daniel back and, and Ben, and uh, good to have you. Uh, I tell you what, he reminds me of my speaker when I don't have it. He, he takes care of me. I, I appreciate that. Okay.
in no announcements let's go away rejoicing in the lord Y'all. praise god for-